you've reached Chelsea, Fifan, and Eden. Sorry, we're not even supposed to the phone right now. We are having important conversations. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to No Mindless Scrolling. This is our second season. Thank you so much for coming back and having to listen to our wonderful podcast where we give people, specifically artists and um, in individuals with creative minds and talents, a platform to promote themselves and tell us about their work. And uh, yeah, just kind of lift themselves up. We love to, to uplift local individuals in the city. I just want to say that this episode recognizes Black History Month. We're going to be doing a uh, focused questions around Black History Month and Black History Month celebration, as well as today we have a wonderful guest named Justice Cupid, actually my sister, who is a master student in the TMU program studying psychology. She is a therapist. She works with uh, GAD, more uh, specifically generalized anxiety disorder is her specialty. And today we're going to be asking her a couple personal career questions, as well as her thoughts on uh, Black History Month and acknowledging the month. So thanks so much. And I hope you guys enjoy. So starting off with the first question, um, do you think the new generation is losing the meaning and value behind celebrating Black History Month or even acknowledging it? Um, I'm not sure if I necessarily think that the new generation, so that's like the young kids, mm-hmm. are losing the meaning or the value. I think that it's always been, it's always meant different things and held different values for different people. So I think that that might be changing again, or there might even be a, you know, reluctance to give into like, I guess like the commodification and like temporary kind of celebration of Black History Month and more so just a a recognition that, you know, platitudes and like 28 days of saying that, you know, Black History matters and this and that might not be as appealing necessarily, but also I feel like yeah, I don't think that it's losing meaning. I think that it's just a shifting meaning for folks and how you decide to celebrate Black History Month or to um, sit in it, whether that means actually learning about history yourself or, you know, engaging in specific activities or efforts that are made to increase access, increase um, engagement, increase resources for Black folks, Black students. Um, people have different ways of celebrating that that month. Sometimes it's deeply personal, sometimes it's deeply communal. So yeah, I guess that's my answer. Great. I mean, that kind of led into my second question. Great lead into, do you think Black History Month has become a commodity to some degree? Absolutely. I think that every single um, liberatory effort that has been made by marginalized communities has been commodified. You know, so in black history month it's you know like i just said um a bunch of corporate organizations ads or or marketing to you know convey the sentiment that black lives matter black histories matter black communities matter black uh, access or black opportunity opportunities for black folks matter and none of oftentimes that falls flat there's no reflection of that in values, in continued efforts, in continued 
giving of sight to black realities, what black people actually go through um, past that month. Like I said, it's empty. It can often feel like empty platitudes and that, you know, a valuing of black history and black experience is not something that has a time limit. So um, it really is more so to serve perception, you know, to, to fulfill or to cross off a, a box a lot of the time. Yeah. We've, we've conveyed or we've communicated that, you know, we care about black, black people uh, without any of the actual action. At least that's how it comes across at a corporate level, for sure. I absolutely agree. Well, that was kind of it for my Black History Month focused questions. I'm going to tailor now into personal career questions, which is perfect because you're actually at your job now. Look at that. In her office, y'all. If y'all can see, just kidding. This is audio. But okay. Personal career questions. Number one, what is it like navigating your career as a Black woman? Hmm. Um... Not too much now. Not I think that it can be challenging. It is challenging. You know, I value the work that I do in mental health. Um, I value the endeavor of promoting mental health, looking at it, valuing it as real, helping people to cope with their experiences, to change those experiences, um, as well as just, you know, I'm I'm in clinical psychology, so trying to understand mental health and mental illness and what goes into that. But I think that it is hard when that becomes very siloed, when it becomes very individual focused, and that can often be the, or that often is the um, perspective that psychology takes and neglects social determinants of health, neglects social realities, socioeconomic realities, sociocultural or socio-historical realities that impact people of color, Black, Indigenous, and people of color. And that can be really challenging to not see your communities reflected or their experiences reflected or valued um, in the approach that you take to promoting their wellness. And for myself as a Black woman, sometimes it can be really challenging to um, not see the orientation to wellness that you know is important to seeing Black experiences be reflected or be valued and embodied in the practice or the techniques that I'm learning. So long, like short answer is that I see the value in my work, but it, it, it you have to find your place in it. And that can be really, really hard because it's a white dominant space and white value systems are crystallized in psychology. So finding your place in that, taking what's valuable, maintaining a critical eye and, you know, centering all of those perspectives that are not necessarily the ones that are in our theories. It, it, it requires a certain degree of personal effort. I think, and I think that that's definitely true for me as a black woman, but I think it's true for people of color who have been, you know, systemically excluded from this field for a long time. So, yeah. But you keep like low-key so fluidly going into my next questions. That's lovely. Okay. So my next question was, how has your career path helped you in understanding your personal experience in the world? How has my career path helped me? Yes. Well, as a person, I think that, you know, studying psychological processes and things like that has definitely given me more insight into myself and my own mental health experiences or, or that of others around me. Um, and being able to see those and give sight to those in the people around me and what they might be going through, just empathy. But I think that also it demands that you recognize the diversity in mental health presentations and the things that contribute to it, right? 
there are biological factors, there are psychological factors, there are social factors, there are, you know, generational kind of factors that go into um, people's mental health experiences. And so for me, deepening my understanding of that has really helped me to understand those factors for myself um, and the the privilege that's been afforded to me in many ways, Um, whether it comes from socioeconomic privileges that I've had or experiences of how I'm read as a fairer skinned black woman, you know, thinking about things that negatively impact mental health and things that maybe I haven't had or I have not experienced. So yeah, I think that having to think about those factors, I've, I've been able to, to, to deepen my understanding of the different aspects of my identities and my experiences that determine my positionality and my mental health experience. And then that I've been able to give sight to other people's by centering all of those factors and trying to understand them for that person that's in front of me. My next question, uh, knowing that discussions around mental health and prioritizing mental health is a fairly new phenomenon, mm-hmm. knowing that, why do you think the Black community, or do you think the Black community still struggles with considering mental health as a serious and important thing? Yes, absolutely. Black communities struggle with valuing mental health as something that is real. Why do you think that? I don't know if there's necessarily one answer for that. Um, I think that there is a shame and a perceived weakness and a inferiority that is attributed to struggling with mental health. And as a people, like across the diaspora, that have been battling against being labeled and treated as inferior historically, being told, being... um, what's the word I'm looking for? I'm losing my words today, but being, you know, destroyed as a people (laughs) and um, having to resist that and have been resisting that for generations that can be embodied as a strength, as a resilience to all of the systems of oppression that Black people have been surviving for centuries. Uh, I think that struggling with mental health can really threaten that for, for Black folks. And again, it's very it's very specific to different communities, and there's an intersectional lens that needs to be put on that, and the ways that people's different identities inform their experience and who, when their mental health experience is likely to be valued or not. But um, I think that Black communities, you know, historically being decimated, have also had their relationships decimated, their capacity to relate and extend that compassion to one another. So, and there are a lot of Black folks who are doing excellent work in valuing mental health and giving that sight to one another and promoting mental health awareness in their communities. So I think that it's a dialectic. Both things are happening. There's a denial of mental health, but there's also a valuing and a push to really increase awareness and increase seriousness around seeing it as a real thing. Do you think Black people are unaware of how much intergenerational disregard for mental illness and mental wealth relates to their own mental health struggles? Absolutely. I think that I think many Black folks are, especially as mental health has become something that is on people's radar more in the last few decades that, you know, people recognize the ways that it's been dismissed, neglected. And in coming to that awareness, you recognize the generations of mental health struggles that you or your parents or your sisters or your aunts, your extended family have been dealing with and denying for themselves and how that manifests in your relationships with one another and the orientation to mental health. So I think that there's definitely an awareness of how neglected mental health has been in black communities. And 
the damage of that, the isolation in that, you know, especially you think about the experiences for both black men and black women, but how different they are, mm-hmm. you know, the demands that are put or the denials to self that black men and black women experience. So I think there's definitely an awareness of the detriment or the damage that that has manifested in. Um, and I think there's an increased willingness to look at that now, not in everybody, but in a lot, a lot of people. And I think that black folks have been doing that for themselves for a long time too. All of the critiques of what it means to be well, what it means to love, what it means to support one another, to create supportive communities have come from black people um, nurturing and surviving themselves. So. Yeah. Well, that was great. Great answers. Thank you so much. That actually kind of rounds it up for the questions that I have. Mm-hmm. Um, regarding a couple of other things I wanted to do was basically we always have a bit of a personal promotion for our guests on the podcast to do. So do you have any social media you'd like to promote? Or do you have any previous or upcoming work that we can look out for? things that maybe you would want to let people know in terms of resources that they can, um, you know, they can apply to or or that is around the city that they may not know about regarding seeking mental health help. I don't have any upcoming work coming up. No, that's going to be public in that sense. I've got a thesis and a dissertation if you want to read a 70 page paper, not even longer than that. Um, In terms of mental health resources, mental health is very inaccessible in the city. And as somebody who is in clinical psychology, I'm just entering these systems and seeing, you know, how much is required to get access to that, a referral from a mental health care provider and things like that. So um, off the top of my head, I don't have any direct accessible resources to recommend in terms of like free services or something. I would say, Um, that TMU does have mental health services or mental health counseling for students um, to, so I encourage students to reach out and see what their options are with that, or, you know, any insurance coverage that students might have to see if mental health is covered in that, even for brief sessions, self-referrals, you know, um, finding the resources where you can. Mental health is horribly unsupported and uncovered in, you know, Toronto, Ontario, Canada. It's not covered under whole hip. So yeah, I'm sorry that I don't have a better answer off the top of my head. I wish I'm working to build up my own resources to refer people to, but it's quite tough. Yeah. We do appreciate anything though. We always appreciate it. And now just to kind of sway off of this topic, this very important topic of mental health and prioritizing it, I'm just going to go in with some rapid fire questions that have absolutely nothing to do with what we just discussed, but I don't know, just to end it off a little fun. So number one, what did you think about on your last bus ride to school? Oh my goodness. Let me think about everything. Um, Real, keeping it real. How am I not going to burn out? That's what I was thinking about. Or what do you think is performing at the next Super Bowl? <laughs> at the next Super Bowl? I'm trying to think. We had Beyonce, Rihanna. We had Coldplay. We had Maroon 5, I think. We had Janet. We had all. Yeah, I don't know. I want to I want to say like a Harry Styles or something is going to get like the next thing. I don't know. What's a color you think people heavily overlook? A color? Like, what do you think is a great color that people are just not on that wave like that? Like, it's a niche color that people just don't know about. But it's a great color. Sage green or jade green? Jade green? I don't green? know if that's overlooked, though, but those are no. colors I absolutely love. Those are great colors. I would say yellow. 
Okay. I feel like people are color. Yellow, honestly, yeah. I love it. afraid to wear yellow and orange because they're so mm, in your face. I love yellow. Okay. What was your dream job as a kid? My dream job? Yeah. I want I started out wanting to be an art therapist. So I guess I'm kind of close. Crazy, oh, she's a therapist, just not in the arts. Yeah. So I that was that's the first thing I could think about ever deciding in it in my childhood. Like I want to be this. Like I never, I don't know, I feel like I never like thought about that until I thought about that. So that's my earliest memory. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be related to mental health. It doesn't have to be related to anything important. No, no movement, no nothing. Who do you think, your personal opinion, is a black icon? Just one. Holds the real icon definition. Just one person? It could be like two. <laughs> oh my gosh. There's so many. Frank Ocean, he's a legend, actually, but he's also an icon, but he's a legend. He's a goat. Real. That's real. Okay. And that kind of rounds it up for me in terms of everything that I have to ask you. Actually, I'll get one more thing before we leave, because you didn't really have any personal promotion to tell us about. Just give us a little bit of a background on yourself. Tell us about yourself. What do you do? Your exact profession? And um, yeah. My name is Justice. I am a master's student in clinical psychology, and I am right now training as a psychotherapist, a psychologist generally, and that's kind of my what I do. What are your hobbies outside of the mental yeah. health? <laughs> My program take up so much that it's like hard to even think about like that. But um, no, I am a Toronto Zen girl. I love my people very deeply. I am a sister. I'm a daughter and hobbies. I, you know, I love to listen to music. If I'm not reading and I'm not doing something that demands mental attention, I'm probably going to have my headphones on. Um, I love reading. I love reading black literature. I love reading black thinkers. They are the writers of my scripts. And, and honestly, if I didn't have to work to survive, like I really would just be here to chill, live in community with people, live in harmony with, with the people I love and just, you know, appreciate <laughs> but you know unfortunately we got to work to live so i'm a psychotherapist <laughs> I really like it <laughs> but you know i just feel like i'm just kind of here to vibe that's what i like to hear all right that's all for this week's episode on no mindless scrolling thanks so much again you guys for uh coming by and taking a listen to our very first episode of season two i hope you enjoyed this episode and we'll catch you next time uh, in a couple of weeks. Thanks so much. And thank you, Justice, again. Bye.